Good morning. It's good to see all you guys here in the room. If you are in Bearden today, welcome. I'm glad you guys are connecting there. And of course, those watching online, glad you are with us today as well. Uh, Start today with a little bit of a confession. Uh, One of the struggles that I have often is um, I deal with selfishness like everybody else, right? Uh, I know you can probably relate in some form or fashion, but maybe the men in the room will relate more to this than some of the ladies. But for me, one of the things that I am particularly selfish about is food. Anybody with me on this? Like when I first married my wife, this was an issue. This was a problem. Like we would argue about this, but we would go out to eat and, and I'd be, you know, eating my meal, enjoying this, you know, steak and whatever it was that I had. And, and all of a sudden I'd see this fork come across the table onto my plate and take some of my food. And I, I was like blown away by this, you know, I, I'd, I'd never been married before. What is this thing that is happening? What kind of psychotic person am I with here that would take my food from me. We would go to the drive-thru, you know, going through Chick-fil-A drive-thru and, and I would say, honey, what would you like to order? And she would say, I'm not that hungry. I'll just eat some of your fries. No, you won't. I will order you a dump truck full of French fries. You will not touch my food, right? And I was, you know, in high school and college watching the TV show Friends. I don't know if you guys were into that, but I was like Joey Tribbiani. Like Joey doesn't share his food, right? Like Trent doesn't share his food. And we argued and, you know, we've grown a little bit uh, through that, but uh, I'm still a little particular. But you know, selfishness is uh, a sin. You look at the Bible, selfishness is a sin and, and, and we see that, but it's, it's one of those sins that it's, it's easily to mask. It's kind of easy to hide selfishness. We're good with our words. And we can, we can present things and we can say things that don't look like they're selfish on the surface, but really we're saying and, and acting a certain way because we're really thinking about what we want, right? And we do this often in marriage, but, but selfishness can be subtle. But selfishness is also very stressful because when you live a selfish lifestyle, you start to do things in your own strength and, and you start to do things that you want to do a majority of the time. And when you do that, you start to exclude God and you start to uh, exclude him from the discussion and you rely upon your own strengths instead of relying upon his strengths. So stress uh, happens when we are selfish. Uh, selfishness is also harmful because as we think about it, if we keep more for ourselves, We think we're gonna be safer. We think that we're gonna be more protected. We think that we're gonna be more satisfied in life, but it's a false belief because the more we try to protect our own interests and we ignore God, the more we lust for more. We want more and we need more. And as we long for more, we tend to care about only ourselves and what we have. And so, Uh, selfishness is sinful, it's stressful, it's harmful. And today we're wrapping up this sermon series called Gospel Voice. And the whole premise behind the series is that if you have faith in Jesus, you have a gospel voice. You can talk about spiritual things. You can talk about Jesus. You can talk about the gospel. You can certainly invite people to come to church. But at the end of the day, often the reason why we don't share this voice is because we're selfish. We're selfish with our knowledge, what we know. 
We're selfish with our story. And again, we can mask the selfishness. And so the masking kind of looks like this. Like we, we're selfish with our knowledge, but we mask that with saying, well, I don't have all the answers. And so I don't want to get into a debate. We mask the selfishness by saying, yes, I have a story, but my story isn't that good of a story. And so today I want to challenge you with the idea and, 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 and really the motivation behind why we must share, why we have to get over our selfishness, why we have to get over our ego, why we have to begin to share this voice and share the truth and hope of the word of God. And so I wanna give you four reasons why we must share. And the first one, I wanna go back to the day that you committed your life to Jesus. Think about that moment for just a minute. When you think about that day, um, I, I often you know, also go back to the day that Jesus called the first disciples. And so when Jesus said, come and follow me, do you remember what he said? He said, come follow me and I will make you a better person. No, he didn't say that. Come and follow me and I will make you more successful. No, he doesn't say that. He says, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Uh, reminding you here in Matthew chapter four, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Of men. So why do we have to share? Why must we share? We cannot keep this a secret. We cannot be selfish with the knowledge that we have. And the reason is because Jesus said his goal was to make you a fisher of men. In other words, his primary goal for your life was not just to save you. His primary goal for saving you was to make you a fisher of of men, not a fisher of fish, but a fisher of people. Now I'm sure when Jesus said this to the disciples, they had no idea what this meant. They had no understanding of what it meant to become a fisher of men. In fact, when you think about the day you came to faith in Christ, you probably weren't thinking about becoming a fisher of men. You were thinking about the weight of your sin you were thinking about the fact that you needed forgiveness. You were thinking about the fact that, that you wanted heaven. And as you heard the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross and the empty tomb, you said, you know what? I believe him. I want to put my faith in him and receive forgiveness. I want heaven. You see, most of us come to faith thinking about what we are going to get. And that's normal. And Jesus is happy to give us that forgiveness. He's happy to save us. He wants to do that for each and every one of us. But his primary goal in giving us that is so that we would develop, we would grow into this idea of a fisher of men. In other words, we are rescued by Jesus so that we would then share his message with family, with friends, with random strangers and lead others into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's his primary focus for his disciples. And so when it comes to uh, what job you have, when it comes to you know, what city you're gonna live in, um, by and large, we get to decide. Like it doesn't matter what job you take or you know, what, what city you live in, primarily what Jesus is, is caring about is whatever job you take, 
whatever city you decide to live in, that you would primarily be aware that you are a fisher of men in that work environment, in that city, in that community, in that neighborhood. And that would be present on our mind. That is his goal for us as followers of Christ. And so at some point, if you're following him, you you get saved. And sometimes we just think that was the end of the story. Sometimes we think the spiritual journey is the journey of finding and discovering Jesus, but it's not. It's part of it, but it's not the end of it. We think, oh man, I wrestled with, you know, what I was gonna do with my life and I I was in the church and I was out of the church and I went through some struggles and I knew I needed to give my life to Jesus, but I resisted him. And we talk about that journey of, 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 of back and forth spiritually. And, and then finally one day it just all clicked and I gave my life to Jesus and that's my story and boom, I'm done. And now I can get back to work and back to my business and back to my life. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't miss it. All that stuff was, was, was the beginning of the journey. But the day you gave your life to Jesus, that was the day Jesus said, okay, great. Now it's time for me to make you into something Now it's time for me to really develop you. Now it's time for me to ask you to do hard things, difficult things, challenging things. And you're gonna step out by faith and you're gonna do things that you never dreamed you would be able to do, but I'm gonna give you my spirit to allow you to do them. And you're gonna see me work in your life. And those who accept that challenge and those who continually step out of their comfort zones experience the spiritual growth that every heart in the room and listening today desires and wants and is looking for. And so the first reason that you and I would share this message is because Jesus's primary goal is that he would make us a fisher of men. Secondly, let's go to Acts chapter four, if you've got your Bibles. In Acts four, we're gonna see a story and I'll kind of set it up as you're turning there. But in Acts four, Peter uh, and John are, are, are they, they meet this crippled guy, they heal him. And then as he is healed, they start to draw this crowd. Everybody's wondering and seeing this miracle. And so as they all gather, Peter starts preaching the gospel and he starts telling people about Jesus and using his gospel voice. And it says that 5,000 men put their faith in Jesus that day. And as he is preaching and as that is happening, the religious leaders uh, come and arrest him uh, in John. And then they take them basically to a trial. And so they're standing before, you know, the high council of um, the religious leaders. And so you've got guys like Caiaphas and Annas who only weeks prior had sentenced Jesus to death. They crucified Jesus. These are the same men. And so now they're standing in front of these guys. And and then let's look and see what happens beginning in verse eight. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, to the religious leaders, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, In other words, if you're trying to examine us about how this good deed, this miraculous deed of healing this guy happened, we're just gonna tell you how it happened. And it happened by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom by the way, you guys murdered a few weeks back. You remember that guy, right? Whom God then raised from the dead. By him, by Jesus, this man is standing before you well. He's healed. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, 
which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, this quote here in verse 11, this is a quote uh, from Psalm 119. And so uh, they would have known, 118, sorry. They would have known this passage in the book of Psalms because they, they would have had it memorized because it was a messianic prophecy of the Messiah that God was going to send to Israel. So the religious leaders would have known this verse. They would have memorized this verse. They would have been looking for the Messiah, right? And, and so the cornerstone is the most important block in the foundation of the building of the house. And they're saying that, the, the, the scripture is saying that God is gonna send this Messiah. He's going to be the cornerstone, but there are gonna be builders who reject him. And Peter is saying, you grew up, listening and hearing this preached. You grew up memorizing this verse, but you never dreamed you would be the one that would reject the Messiah that God sends. But let me tell you something, you did, you rejected him. You're the builders that this passage is talking about. And you killed him, you murdered him, and you did what you never dreamed you would do. And he says in verse 12, that there is no other name, no other name, by which a man, by which a woman must be saved. It is only in the name of Jesus Christ. So when you ask the question, why do we have to share our gospel voice? Why is this important? Why do we have to take this to heart? Simply number two is Jesus is the only path to forgiveness and eternal life. He's the only path to forgiveness and eternal life. So we must share that message. We must be generous with our words. We must be generous with our story because he is the only path. And what this means is that Jesus is, is the only path to salvation. So heaven and salvation is not found in your performance, how good you can live your life. It's not found in how well you play by the rules. It's not found in following a commandment. It's not found with anything except for the name of Jesus Christ. And so Peter's saying, look, I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to go back and forth. I'm just simply telling you that Jesus is the only path to forgiveness and eternal life. And this is definitely not a popular belief today. We have people in our country that just want us to be quiet. People in our country that would, would say this is, uh, is an inclusive you know, uh, country and we just wanna include everybody. And so when we talk about the exclusivity of the gospel, people wanna push back, even people that go to church. You might come regularly, but you kind of push back on this idea because you think, like culture thinks, that it doesn't matter what path you take, all paths lead to heaven. And all you have to do is be a faithful Muslim or be a faithful Mormon. And if you just are faithful in whatever you believe, then God's gonna say, hey buddy, great job, come on in. But it doesn't take you long in the Bible to see that that's not true. The scripture and Jesus specifically teaches us that there is no path to heaven apart from Jesus. He is the gate, he is the way. There's no other name, there's no other faith there's no other chance apart from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this is the compelling reason for you and I to start sharing and inviting people that 
we know people in our sphere of influence to experience this truth for themselves. And so uh, we know that there are 4 billion people across the world today who do not know Jesus Christ. And some of them are in your office. Some of them are in your family. Some of them live about 20 feet from your front door. And every single one of us need to pray and ask God for a burden that we know something that others don't know. And again, it's not stepping into an argument. It's not stepping into a debate. Like Peter, we would say, look, we don't have all the answers. And even the religious leaders, they aren't putting their faith in Jesus after he preaches this. So we know many people will reject it. But at the end of the day, I know something. I've actually experienced something and I want you to know and I wanna give you the chance to experience it as well. What you do with that is up to you, but I am compelled by the gospel of Jesus Christ that I must share it. I've gotta be generous with what I've experienced and what I've known. And we've got to get over our selfishness and over our fear. We know that there are over 3,000 ethnic people groups that are not only unchurched in the world, but they are actually unengaged. And what that means is there's not a church planning effort in that area. There aren't Christians in those areas. So 3,000 people groups all over the world that aren't engaged and are completely unchurched. I read a statistic that says this, 81% of Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists do not know one single Christian. Imagine that. Imagine living in a world where there aren't any Christians, period, let alone a church on the corner or an avenue for you to hear about what Jesus is or does. Some stats say that there are 2 billion people in the world who have still never even heard the name of Jesus, never even heard it. And what do we do? We take it for granted. We take it for granted that we can walk down the road and we can buy the word of God in various translations. We can pull up our phone and we have the Bible right on our app. We take for granted that we have more resources than, than any, any other country in the world really and freedom to do really almost anything we really want as it relates to sharing the gospel. And yet what we do is we allow our jobs, we allow our kids, we allow our day-to-day grind to get our efforts and our energy focused on things that have nothing to do with eternity. And we must see the reality of verse 12 here. And it beckons us to do something about it. And so we're called to be fishermen. We don't fish to get a bigger church or to get a bigger ministry or anything of that nature. We plant churches, we branch small groups because people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will live an empty life and then they will live in hell for eternity. And we're called to be fishermen. We're called to care about it. And it's when we engage that mission that God makes us come alive. We're praying that God would help us with our anxiety and our depression and with our finances. And God says, if you'll just get involved in my mission, if you'll step out in what I'm telling you to do, watch and see how that stuff gets resolved. Watch me, I'll do it. Uh, I wanna get all of you guys to start thinking about how God might engage you in this mission overseas. We've taken you know, some time off from doing overseas stuff because of the nature of what, what's been going on in the, in the world. And, and so this summer, we're gonna engage that again. And I wanna encourage you to start thinking about 
what it would look like for you to step into one of the trips that we're gonna take. One of them is gonna be to uh, Africa where my brother has planted a church and working there. He's actually there right now. So in July, we're gonna take a group there. Uh, if you are at all in- interested, if, if, if just when I said that, you think, oh man, I think I might, that'd be interesting. Not, not that you're committing to anything, but if you wanna be on a list of people that will get further information about that, stop by the Connect Center and just say, I'm interested, I wanna be on that list. Some of you might wanna to go to our trip to Central America where we're gonna dig a well. And so maybe you wanna get your hands dirty. You wanna, you wanna build something. That trip will be uh, scheduled soon as well. But we do wanna know who's interested in that. So, the, so that uh, essentially who goes on the team determines the kind of work that we end up doing. And so I wanna encourage you to think and pray about those opportunities today. Let's keep reading in Acts 4, verse 13. We'll see the next section here. Now, when they saw the boldness. Now this is when the religious leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated. They hadn't been to school for this, right? Like, like all the religious leaders, they were common men, just like you and me. They were astonished by what they were hearing. And so it says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's important to underline that in your Bible if you have it open. They had recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. They couldn't fight uh, with them and argue much because this guy, everybody knew was crippled and now he's standing there healed. So there's not a lot of things they could say here. Verse 15, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, so they told him to leave and then they kind of conferred with each other, with one another. And they said, what shall we do with these guys? What are we gonna do? Like this, this, these are troublemakers. They said a notable sign has been performed through them. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We can't deny it. It's right in front of our face. But in order that it may not spread any further, no further among the people, let's warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Let's get them to shut up. (laughs) Let's get them to stop talking about what's happened to them and uh, about what they've experienced. Because we think about why we have to share and why this should be important to all of us. And again, this isn't like you have to memorize a, a, a something or you have to do something extra. It's really live your life day to day, go to work, go to practice, go to school, you know, do your stuff, take your kids. But as you are going, you're open to conversations and you're ready to speak truth in the people's life and to share your story. And here's the third reason why, because we've been with Jesus. We've been with Jesus. What, what the religious leaders noticed about Peter and John is that they had been with Jesus. And I just have to ask the question, can people tell that you've been with Jesus? Can people tell? Because I can tell you this, when you are with Jesus, g- genuinely, when you're genuinely in the presence of God's spirit, you cannot walk away selfish and unconcerned about the lost people in the world. Listen to this, you can study theology and walk away selfish. I see it all the time. You can sing a bunch of worship songs all day long. You can write them and do whatever with them. But listen, you can walk away selfish. You can even serve on Sunday morning, week after week and still walk away unconcerned about lost people. But you cannot be in the presence of Jesus and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and walk away unconcerned. And so every single one of us need to realize that if we want this to be a part of our life, we've got to be 
with Jesus. We wanna experience him. The Greek word here for boldness is the word parisia, and it shows up throughout the New Testament. It means courage. It's translated as boldness, but I love how one theologian, F.F. Bruce, translates it. He translates it as this, freedom of speech. And I love that because when you understand what that boldness and power and, and courage really is, it's really the freedom to talk about this person that you say you love. It's the freedom to actually say, this is my story. And I don't know all the answers and I don't have it all figured out, but this is my story. This is what I think. And I think it can help you. I think it can change you. And it's that simple. We're called to do it. It was the same thing these religious leaders had seen in Jesus. They saw a boldness. They saw a Power, and that's why they were, they were intimidated by him. That's ultimately why, why they wanted to kill him. This boldness didn't come from their education. They were uneducated, common men. This boldness came from the fact that they were with Jesus and it was obvious. And so can people tell that we've been with Jesus? Because when we are, there is boldness and there is power behind it. And that's what we want. This is the same Peter who eight weeks earlier was hiding from these men because he was scared to death, right? He was hiding and he was denying that he knew Jesus. But eight weeks later, now here's this guy who was bold and speaking with this authority right in the face of these religious leaders. What happened to him? He experienced the resurrected Jesus. And when you have experienced the resurrected Jesus, things change. And that boldness and that power is there. And when we're with him, we experience it. And here's the fourth and final thing. We share because you can't believe something you've never heard. You can't come to faith in Jesus unless you hear about it, unless someone shares it with you. And so if we aren't going to share it with people, then they won't know it. Paul says in, in Romans 10, 14, how are they gonna hear without someone telling them or preaching to them? See, we all have a gospel voice. We're called to use it. Because the message of salvation is not something we can get unless someone tells us about it, it's on our shoulders to be that voice. Unless someone tells you the way of salvation, you essentially come to the conclusion that every other spiritual person in the world comes to, which is basically all roads pretty much lead to God and God just wants you to love people and be good to your neighbor. And, and that's just basically it. And we just kind of have to say good luck and, and, and hopefully he lets us in. Cause, and that's essentially what most people are gonna believe unless they hear the gospel, unless they see it for themselves and experience it for themselves. And Peter is saying, I can't stay quiet. Right? I'm not going to be silent, but that's what they're asking him to do. Let's read the last passage here in Acts 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then the next verse, they let him go, which is, which is interesting. I don't want to miss that. In the next verse, they, they let him go because oftentimes we want to know that we're gonna be let go and then we'll have the boldness of verse 19. <laughs> 
if I know they're gonna let us go, then hey, we're gonna say, and we're gonna have the freedom to talk about it because we know we're gonna be let go. They didn't know that. They're standing in front of this trial. They could be executed. They could be thrown into prison. They could be beaten. And they say, whether, whether you think we should be quiet or not, you're gonna have to judge that. That's on you. But let me tell you what we're gonna do. We've experienced something. His name is Jesus and we cannot be silent. We can't be silent. People need to know this. And in the same way, we cannot remain silent. We saw him crucified. We walked into the empty tomb. We saw the resurrected Jesus. Over 500 people saw him. This was a, a, a historical event. We know historians don't even deny the fact that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified. The question is, was he res resurrected? And if he was, it changes everything. If you don't believe that, then you reject him. But the reality is we believe that he did raise from the grave. And we've experienced his power. We know his joy. We know his presence and the peace that comes from that. So why would we assume that everybody else knows that? Why wouldn't we assume the opposite and say that they don't know and so let me influence them? We don't wanna be selfish with what we know. We wanna be generous. See, when a person truly is transformed by Jesus, no one can deny it. No one can deny it. The man was changed, he was healed. No one can deny the power of a changed person. And so you were once lost. God found you and saved you. Now you're different. Maybe you forgot how different you were. It's been such a slow progression. It's kind of like our kids. It's like they grow up and it's like, man, I, you're tall now. How did that happen? Where did that happen? Well, it's been a, a slow growth, right? Some of you have had a, a slow growth in your spiritual life and you've forgotten your life before Christ. We have to remember that. We have to remember where we once were. We have to remember that someone shared that message with us. And we have to remember that this isn't a debate about theology. It's not a debate about what preachers you follow or shouldn't follow. Peter says, the reason we can't shut up is because we've seen something, we've heard something, we've experienced something. His name is Jesus. He is alive. It's not about a belief. It's not about, you know, all of these questions that we have that are answered. What we're telling you, we can put all that aside. What we're telling you is that there's no other way to receive forgiveness and heaven apart from the name of Jesus. That's what we believe. That's what we have experienced. And, and I just believe that as we share this, God changes the heart. God changes the heart. I can't save anybody. You can't either. God changes the heart. Like the seed we talked about last week, we cast it out there and the soil of a man's heart receives that or rejects that. And that is not on me. It's not on you. Our culture is going to say, shut up. Just be quiet. If you want to be a Christian, fine. But don't talk about it. Don't let it impact the way that you do your job. And let me just tell you, it's impossible to do that. If you're doing that, you're living in disobedience. There's no way that you can live your life as a follower of Jesus and, and not talk about it and it not impact how you interact and how you talk to people and how you live your life. Culture wants you to be quiet. And, 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 and again, we don't know if they're gonna let us go, but like Peter and John, the boldness is, you can tell us to shut up if you want to, but here's what we know, we've been changed and we're not gonna shut up. 
And so we're gonna share in love. We're not gonna be arrogant. We're not gonna be cocky. We're not gonna be, you know, this person that's just like Bible thumping people in the head and, and being rude to people and shaming people. No, we're gonna say, this is what God has done in my life. He's changed me. This is what we believe. And we can't shut up about it. You can cancel me. You can stop coming to my business. You can kick me off social media. You can laugh at me. You can spit on me. You can exclude me. You can do whatever you want, but I am not gonna shut up. And I just wonder if you can take that. I just wonder if that's, if that's a, a message that you will embrace or will you be shy? Will you be timid? Will you be selfish? the cause for every single one of us to walk in this path. And remember, Jesus did not say, follow me and I'm gonna give you smooth sailing. John was exiled to a deserted island, <laughs> Patmos. Live out your days there, old man, and die alone. Peter was crucified. See, every single one of the disciples were hunted down and murdered. And we've grown up in a culture where we've experienced liberty and freedom, which is a huge blessing of God. But one of the side effects of that is that we think everything should be smooth sailing. And if it's not smooth sailing, then God hates me or God's upset. And it's just not the truth. The truth is we've been blessed with this freedom. We've been blessed with these resources. So God, God has given us the stewardship that we would resource it and use it well not just for our community. Yes, it starts in our community, but it would also extend out into the world. And so that's my challenge. And, and so we do the, 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 the card last week that says, pray for your one, pray for your one. We're gonna pray for that one person, invite this one person. And we're gonna focus on this all the way to Easter for this one person. I can't wait to hear the stories of you saying, yeah, I wrote this guy's name down and I prayed for him. And then he showed up and God saved him. We have the tank in the atrium of both locations and we drop a ball in that tank every week. However many conversations you have, spiritual conversations, invitations, gospel-centered conversations. Why? Because it holds us accountable. And it's gonna be out there between now and Easter. And so if we're walking in here on Sunday morning and that tank is empty, like I'm gonna have to change the sermon series and come back to this. Like we can't just run by this. Like this is what we're doing as a church. Like this is who we have to become. And so I had four gospel-centered conversations with random people I believe were God appointments this past week. People from the past that I haven't seen in years crossing my path. And, and the reason why I think I've, I'm noticing is because I'm, 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 it's in the, in the forefront. Like I mentioned last week, if you think about it, then you'll see them. You didn't realize how many gray cars were out there until you bought a gray car. And you're like, dang, there's a lot of gray cars out here. I didn't know that, I thought I was unique. No, you're just looking and you're seeing them now. Same is true with these God appointments that he has for you, running into these people and talking to these people. And some of those conversations were for me. Somebody encouraged me this week. Others of them were, were, were me encouraging them. And so I dropped the, those, uh, playground balls in the bucket this or the, the the tank earlier this morning and so that's what we want to do and I want to encourage you to do this and so I also want to challenge you this Tuesday night can you give an hour and a half to learn more about how to do this to to to, to just kind of have more conversations about spiritual things and maybe you're you're you know you just don't know how to get that ball rolling or whatever you just want to sharpen 
this Tuesday night for an hour and a half. Can you, can you give an hour and a half to the gospel and, and, and how to share it? Some of you would say, you know what? I wanna go even deeper. And so our leadership summit, six week uh, class that's gonna dive into this deeper on how to make disciples and lead people into a relationship with Jesus. You wanna mentor, you wanna disciple people. That would be the step for you. We're gonna pray for our one. And man, I'm just excited to see how God's gonna bless this over the coming weeks together. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.